Hi everyone, this is David Sinden, the host of the Songs in the Desert project. Before we get started today, I need to apologize for a technical problem. If you tried to listen to the episode yesterday, Tuesday, March 3rd, most likely you heard the same thing as Monday. This was due to a technical error on my part, and I'm sorry that I messed up. If you want to hear yesterday's episode, you can visit our website, songsinthedesert.org, and listen there. Or, in your podcast app of choice, be sure to delete the previously downloaded episode and re-download the episode, and it will now be correct. Now for today, I'm bringing you a reflection from the Reverend Beth Maynard that originally aired on the Friday after Ash Wednesday in 2019. And I'll let her take it from here. I'm Beth Maynard, rector of Emmanuel Memorial Episcopal Church in Champaign, Illinois. In my first parish, the organist preferred that I choose the hymns, and I was longing for a chance to introduce Lord Enthroned in Heavenly Splendor, hymn 307 in the Holy Eucharist section of the hymnal 1982 to my congregation. Seeing some excellent Eucharistically oriented occasions on the horizon in spring, I programmed it for four Lent, Refreshment Sunday, and then again for Maundy Thursday. As soon as the choir opened the hymnals at rehearsal, they laughingly called me on my oversight. There are no fewer than 15 Alleluias. So we made other arrangements. The author of the text, George Hugh Bourne, thought the best place for his composition was after receiving communion, and you can see why. He wrote it for use in chapel services by the boys at St. Edmund's College, Salisbury, and it appeared in their in-house, privately printed 1874 booklet, Seven Post-Communion Hymns. Though a few of the other six have made it into a hymnal or two, this one is his big hit. I'm not sure what tune Bourne would have sung it to, but the tune Episcopalians are familiar with, the sturdy and stirring Bryn Calfaria by Welsh composer William Owen, is fused to the text at the molecular level in my mind. However, there are also hymnals that choose the more polite and Victorian-sounding tune, St. Helen. As we say where I grew up, in the South, bless their hearts. I want to point out three things about hymn 307. The first, unmissable if you take a minute to read it, is the incredible tapestry of biblical allusions. Go to hymnary.org and open up the scripture references page. You'll just keep scrolling and scrolling. One of the problems we face in the church today is how few people know the actual biblical text with its interconnected images and turns of phrase. Well, this hymn is a full immersion seminar in them. First begotten from the dead, branch and flower of Jesse's stem, heavenly manna, paschal lamb, smitten rock, true and living bread. We move effortlessly from Psalms to Gospels to Pentateuch to prophets and back, with flashes of intertextual meaning arriving in nearly every line. The second thing, 
not uncommon, especially in Eucharistic hymns, is that the whole thing is a prayer addressed by each singer to Jesus Christ, risen and glorified, yet present before us by means of the sacrament of bread and wine. The structured and solid Bryn Calfaria tune keeps us from sentimentalizing this private prayer. Along with the text, it draws us into that space, which the writer Martin Thornton tells us is especially characteristic of Anglicanism a balanced synthesis of heart spirituality and head spirituality, or in traditional language, of the affective and the speculative. We'd be better Anglicans if we prayed like this more. And the third is the overall ascending movement, to me, made even more thrilling by the way the discipline of the tune restrains it from ever going over the top. Though our Lord is in heavenly splendor, we start singing to him very much down here, kneeling together after receiving the body and blood of our Lord, perhaps lifting up our head to gaze at our parish's altar or the cross behind it. Humblest homage, reverent bows, prayers for discernment and faith are the order of the moment, but By the final two verses, our gaze is not just on our local altar and its familiar chalice and paten. No, our eyes have been opened to see the once-for-all fullness of Christ's offering on the cross objectively there and available every nanosecond, simply obliterating sin and propelling us to join finally in the worship by the entire creation of the entire Jesus Christ, in all his being and all his work, the Lamb who died and is now risen, ascended, glorified. This is the movement I want to make back and forth every day, from the unimpressive, ordinary local life in front of me to all the power that is unleashed when we look to and invoke the vastness of what Jesus is and does. From a little piece of bread in my hand to the recreation of the cosmos. Bryn Calfaria puts me in the middle of that movement every time I sing it. Thanks to the Reverend Beth Maynard for this episode. For more, like our Facebook page, or visit songsinthedesert.org.